Welcome to the Life Unlimited Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice so you can confidently live your life your way for life. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to Life Unlimited with Larry Heller from Heller Wealth Management. I'm Larry's producer, Eric, and I'm here to learn along with you, the audience. Now, Larry has an amazing guest on the show today, and he's allowed me to read the bio, and that's Ronnie Genser of Bereavement Navigators. Prior to founding Bereavement Navigators in 2012, Ronnie Genser's professional background included over 20 years in international and domestic sales, marketing, training, and consulting. Unfortunately, Ronnie's successful career path took an unexpected turn after the sudden death of her husband. The things Ronnie learned about what she needed to do after her husband's death included how to organize the numerous and unexpected tasks, the resources she found, and the tips she learned. She now shares in her work as a bereavement navigator with widows, widowers, adult children, and other relatives who have lost loved ones. Larry, you always have amazing guests. Where did you find Ronnie? Thanks, Eric, and hi, everyone. Nice to be here again. Good to see you, Eric uh, and Ronnie. So I came across Ronnie, I guess, in an article uh, that I was reading about what she does, and I thought it was terrific. And a lot of people can use their services, and especially um, us. We have a lot of widow and widow clients. So uh, I decided decided that I'd bring her on as a guest and let my audience know more about Ronnie. Fantastic. This is going to be a great show. Hi, Ronnie. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know the audience will get a lot out of this podcast. So before we kind of get into what you do, why don't you let the audience know kind of what you did, you know, your previous career. Thanks, Larry. My my previous career was very, very different. I had an international sales and marketing consulting company for 20 years where I worked, where I helped U.S. companies find uh, dealers and distributors overseas and overseas firms to find dealers and distributors here in the United States. And then... I mean, how long ago, if I can ask, did you become a widow? I was widowed um, October, October 11th, um, 2011. 2011, about 11 11 years ago. 11 years. It's 11 years. That's why I paused because I was doing the math. And and I was a math major, so it shows you how long it's been. (laughs) And uh, of course, it was a very difficult time, but why don't you share some of your thoughts on what the most difficult tasks that you are that you were faced. I can't say there was one in particular. I would say there's a category, and the category really is um, all the all the details and all of the things that that you don't expect. So, for example, let me give you a couple examples. So, when I called Social Security to get what's called the lump sum death benefit, which is given to a widow or a widower for the um, based on the first to die. There, if the second person in a part uh, in a marriage or partnership dies, there is no lump sum death benefit. That amount is two hundred and fifty dollars. So when I called up to get that, because they don't send it to you just because they learn of a death, you have to apply. There's a sort of a two part interview process. Um, the first part was a, a couple of simple questions, background information, um, name address, that kind of thing, confirming a social security number, um, the decedent's name, things like that. But then, so after about 10 minutes of the simple questions, they tell you that there's a 40 minute interview. Um, Did you want to stay on or call back? So I knew enough not to want to call back because I probably get somebody different or something else would happen. So I stayed on. So here's examples of the difficult things that you don't expect. 
most of the questions went fairly easily back and forth, question, answer, question, answer. But then they would come up with a couple questions like, what was your husband's mother's maiden name? Now, when you think about when one thinks about or learns about my situation was my, I met my husband when we were both in our early 40s. We married in our early 50s and he died at the age of 61. So when you're an older bride, let's call it, the last thing you think of is what is your mother's maiden name? Fortunately, um, and I realized that I was um, not thinking straight that day because I was grieving. So if I just thought about it, his mother's maiden name was the same last name as his first cousins who were men. So I'm sitting there on, on the, I'm on the phone and you know time is clicking away and I don't wanna have to call back. So finally it dawns on me, I remember what it is without remembering that it's the same as first cousin's last name, this was Feldman. And there the conversation went on and I finally qualified for my $250 check. So it's things like that, that sort of catch you off guard mm -hmm. that I want to say are, I can't say difficult, but things that um, the fact that I didn't have any friends, male or female, who had uh, were widows or widowers at the time uh, when I became a widow. So there was nobody to ask these just the same kinds of questions that you asked, the question you asked me. And, and then I think so there's a 40 minute interview to get two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, I just I just was in this place where I just didn't want to leave it on the table. I felt mm -hmm. like he paid into it. Mm -hmm. It was one of those things where I'm not working at, at full capacity because I'm grieving. So why don't I just call him and do and I didn't know it was it was uh, going to be 40 minutes of, or a 10 minute interview. I had no idea what the process was. So I just stayed on. Um, can you share what's another one of those type of things that you just had a hard time dealing, um, dealing with at that time. I just think the whole process of how many things or tasks there really are after somebody dies. I mean, mm -hmm. not only is it going to what I call the contacting the four professional service advisors, meaning the estate or probate person to get that process going, mm -hmm. the somebody like you, the financial advisor, the accountant, and if there's any, if you think that there's any insurance per the will. So mm -hmm. it's just all these time consuming things and figuring out at times when I was having to switch some things over, I would have to call, you know, national customer service desks and then send information or fax it. It's just tedious. And, and I'm trying to run this small little business international against international consulting at the same time. It was like, how many balls in the air can I have? And again, coupled with the whole grieving process where I'm just not feeling great. You know, right. You're trying to figure out what, how you're going to adjust to this new yeah, life. Live, and, live my life. What do I have to do? Paperwork that has to get done. All that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. You know, abs absolutely. You know, I mean, we, we have a whole checklist that we work with and this, I know for there's so many things that come up from changing beneficiaries to do you need to change certain names? How do you handle credit cards? Yep. What do you do about airline points. Yeah. So the the more that you can kind of figure out before that somebody mm -hmm. passes away, the better off you are, but we know that's not always the the best way the best way of doing that. So so you now kind of face some of these challenges and how did it dawn on you to say, you know what? I I want to kind of, you know, change career paths and kind of make this a business. Oh. Okay. Can I add one other thing that people never think about to, sure. to, your, to your list? And then I'll answer your question. Um, Absolutely. 
before I talk about how I started the business was it was just by happenstance that it dawned on me at the, um, when my sister and brother came in from out of town for the funeral that, gosh, I should just gather them up and we should go to the bank to yeah. get his name taken off the safety deposit box and put theirs on because there's no more of this just signing a little electronic pad in the mm-hmm. at the bank. They actually had to sign a paper form. It was unbelievable. So mm-hmm. I was so glad that I did that. So when you talk about unexpected things, that's what happened. Okay, so the story about how do, how did I come to start this when I had another business and you know what did I do? So I about two, three months after my husband died, sort of like, I guess it was mid-December, I was having lunch with my then financial advisor of many years. And she says to me, we're not going to talk about like this. We're not going to talk about, you know, what you, the portfolio, what you own and the financial things, you know, where everything is. I know where everything is. We don't need to do anything right now. So I said, okay. And so she says, but I have something else to talk about. I said, okay, what? And she says, I can't get over how much stuff there is to do, meaning the tasks after the death of a loved one. If she said, if my husband, who was also her partner in her business died, I'd have you on speed dial. I said, thanks. Nice. And then she says, yeah. And then she says to me, you want to make that part of your, your business, which at that time was Genzer International Consulting, the international sales and marketing consulting business. And I say to her, they're two very different things. I'm a marketeer. I know better than to put two very different things into one um, group. It will confuse people. It should be either or, and I don't have time for it. I'm doing, as I call it, the stuff for the tasks. So about five months later, another friend of mine and I are talking and about the business. I said, and I'd written kind of like a one and a half page marketing, high level marketing plan, just with concepts. And I said to her, her at dinner one night, do you think this would make a business? I kind of like threw it at her dessert. And she said, and I'm, and I'm obviously grieving because I'm expecting a yes or no answer, which we know in marketing doesn't happen. That should be a question. And she says, you need to speak to the Financial Planning Association of Georgia. I'll get you a speaking engagement. And I'm still, you know, knee deep in the stuff. So um, I'm thinking, okay, I've got time. You know, this probably won't happen. And they're probably booked for six or nine months. Pretty, pretty prestigious group and large. I, around, I would say 70 to 100 people. And um, she calls me 10 days later and she says, you're on the calendar from for two months from now. And I go, thanks. And I realize what what's happening is there's a wedge here and it's time for me to step in kind of like if you think of a piece of pie like the short end a wedge and i should step in and not and even though i'm in total overload have no idea what she wants me to speak about and i have to write a speech and i'm doing all the stuff the tasks i should do this so i did the speech we're coming to the end of the story i did this speech to 70 people which was amazing got great reviews. And there was one woman who really turned the tide for me. During the Q&A, she was, she was an estate attorney. She identified herself, said she was an estate attorney. I realized, um, she didn't say it, but I realized why she was there. She said, I'm a member of this organization. So she's obviously looking for leads. And she said, we have speakers all the time. There's usually no content. And you're the first person who's given us content in a long, long time. And then she pauses and she says, you nailed it. And that was the linchpin that gave me the courage to start the business. So why don't you kind of describe kind of what are the services? What what do you do? Why would somebody um, hire at your firm? Okay. There are two parts to the, I call it service offerings, being a marketeer, marketeer, two major service offerings. The business started with what I call 
after death consulting. The second part, what I call before death consulting, and I, and I have like the word long in parenthesis, theoretically before it, but after death consulting consists of working with widows, widowers, and adult children on all the personal and practical tasks they will encounter. And I say will, because they will, although the task will be different for every person after the death of a loved one. So it answers, so I work with them on questions like who, what, when, where, why, how do I do this? All those kinds of things. It's totally self-directed by the client because everybody is different. I do not work over off of a checklist because I don't believe in that. I feel that people, that we should attack things tasks in the order that are really that are really that's really important to the client so it's really client driven so if they say i have one i've had clients who have said i had one big task how do i do this and i've had clients who have will go on and on for a list and i just say to them you prioritize them let's talk again and we'll knock them off in, in small right. so give us a, so give us some examples of some of those tasks okay let me talk about one of the big ones um one of the early on a woman, a friend of a friend called me up and said she wanted to hire me. Her father had died. She was trying to settle his affairs. She had a ton of questions that she wanted to talk about. But one of the questions that I'll always remember, one of the most difficult ones, was she had a very specific issue uh, related to her father and Social Security. I don't want to go into the details, but tell you it was a very um, difficult one. She had tried to get through to Social She had gotten through to Social Security, but couldn't um, get it resolved. So she wanted to find an attorney. So I thought to myself initially, oh, that's not too bad. I know a ton of, you know, attorneys in town. I'll just call them. I'll call one and whatever. And come to find out when I described the problem, they said, oh, no, no, we don't do that. And finally I asked one because they kept telling me the same thing. And yet they was they all did basically social security disability type work. And I said, well, why don't you do this type of work? And basically it was because there was no money in it for them, real significant money in them for them and that social security, um, whatever that's involved, uh, not social security, but disability provided much more revenue for their businesses. But finally, I, after many, many calls, I found someone for her who ha actually helped her resolve all these financial issues with social security going back some time. And um, she was happy as a, cl a clam. So that's, an, I can't say a big issue, but a pretty time consuming and unusual. Uh, I'm going to throw out an issue here. Maybe maybe you've come across this or and can, can actually help one of our clients. So oh. so we, we have a, a client that recent widow and they are they they have a lot of savings bonds. Okay. And the the savings bonds a lot of them were done manually but some were done electronically. Mm -hmm. And there was an account that was open both in the husband's name and the wife's name. And wanted to go online, and we're talking about um, numerous bonds, tens, uh, maybe 30, 40 bonds mm -hmm. that were in the husband's name that now need to be transferred to the to the wife's wife's name. Mm -hmm. Well, the system won't allow you to won't allow us to change it because she already has an account and she doesn't remember the password and the login. Yeah. So she can't get in. And when we tried calling the Treasury Department, it's mm -hmm. been four or five, six hour waits. Can't get anyone on, on mine. Have you come across this situation before? No, no that okay. I haven't. I've come across my, my husband's daughter has a, a single bond, I think a single bond, and she just never cashed it years ago. And I keep telling her she better cash it or it's going to go away, go away, how it was going to go away, whether it totally goes away 
which I didn't think would happen, but that she couldn't have access to it. And I just recently, again, when she was visiting me a a couple months ago, told her, will you please do it? Because Mm -hmm. otherwise just forget it and you're not going to get your money. It's going to get too difficult. So do you get it? Do you get involved? I'm going to change gears a little bit. Besides some of these tasks, did you get involved with helping on the grieving side or is it really um, just more tasks? Yes and no, uh, in sort of a minor way. A task could be, a task is helping someone if they're, if they ask me or if I ask them, would you like to find a grievement support counselor, somebody who's licensed? Because the things I don't do, pretty easy to define are things that require a licensure, um, a special degree, like an, you know, like um, a financial advisor and special certification. So anything like that, I don't touch because I don't want to ever be sued. And it's in my contract that I don't do these things, you know, that the, what I call the four prof- major professional service advisors do. So, but I will find them contacts of people who will do those kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, that's great to know because I do know a recent widower and and he had a tough time trying to find a support group that would work for, work him. for him. Yeah, right. Cause and so and I and and I I have a I won't say a list, it's a mental list. It's not like a list I go down on paper. But I ask certain questions about how far do you want to do you want to go from your home? Do you want to do it vir- or do you want to do it virtually? Do you want to be in a group? You know, do you want individual? You're just and it goes on and on, you know, a whole bunch of questions like that to net it down. Yeah, because I mean, we do work with a lot of widows and some widowers. And, you know, just like your financial advisor said, the first meeting afterwards, we're not really focusing in on that. We're really focusing in on, you know, how do they deal with the grieving and what some of the decisions to make and not to make any big decisions a lot of time for a, mm-hmm. for a while. I mean, one of the bigger decisions that, were, that they're left with, should they stay in the house? Should they leave the house? Where should right. they relocate? Um, and having conversations about conversations about that, some of the non-financial discussions, because you don't want to quickly make a decision that you're gonna that you're gonna regret. So, you also mentioned now that you work with people before, long before, hopefully they pass away. Okay. So, how do you how do you do that, and what are kind of the services okay. that you provide? Um, as I call that, um, yeah, long before long before death, meaning while we're healthy, kind of like hopefully you're healthy, like you and me. Hopefully I'm, I think I feel healthy. And, and that's because at, given the fact that my husband was only 61 years old, appeared to be healthy. And then one night had a massive heart attack, went to the hospital, two operations in a week. And so nine days from heart attack to death. So you just never know what can happen. And if you haven't documented a lot of stuff, as I say, you think financial assets, whatever, um, where are all your passwords? things like that, which I had no idea because we were just rocking and rolling thinking, you know, what are we going to do in our, um, you know, 70s, 80s? Do we want to move? Those are the kinds of questions we had, but ne- none of the detailed questions, none of the detailed issues. So before death consulting really addresses all of the details. So I say to people, how I work with them is again, it's pretty much client driven. What have you done so far? And I get answers ra- ranging from nothing. So we have to start from scratch to, well, I can show you what we've done and I've seen folders and stuff like that. So I have a good sense of what they have and whatever. And then we work on, I work with them identifying all the things that they don't have. Like maybe they don't have a lot of um, health information. And it's really important in terms of not only should someone die, but I now say become either temporarily or permanently incapacitated. 
And by temporarily incapacitated to me, an example would be someone, um, the person who handles all the finances, meaning gets on the computer or whatever, breaks their arm unexpectedly, they fall, God forbid, but they do, and they're going to heal in a couple months. Okay. But meanwhile, the spouse, the other, the spouse or partner has no idea where any of that stuff is. So, and the other issue is, you know, they die and that somebody has to take over for them unexpectedly, like it happened for me. I mean, he didn't pay, he paid part of the bills, I pay part of the bills, but. Yeah, I mean, that, that's so important. And, and maybe that's changing a little bit generationally. We've always tried to get both spouses to come to all of our meetings and mm -hmm. and, and really have a, a map that the non-financial spouse can do in case you are disabled or dies. But a lot of times they, they just, they they don't think it's going to happen. So they kind of push it off until it's obviously obvious too late. So if you can get people motivated to make a lot of those decisions and, and like you said, there's passwords and I, I found, you know, mileage and points and other things that would be great if both spouses can get access to that in a time, you know, time and aid on top of all the legal documentations, knowing where their power of attorneys are, their healthcare right. proxies, their, their wishes for, you know, D DNR wishes. Mm -hmm. So the more that people can prepare for it. So, uh, so if you have a service that can get people to address these issues, yeah. um, I think it's, I, th I think it's terrific. I, th I think that when people hear my story about how we're sort of, you know, we're rock, as I call it, rock and rolling along and all of a sudden, one evening he's sitting in a chair and he says, I don't feel well. If I think I'm having a heart attack, wait 10 minutes and call 911 if I don't feel better. And I don't even listen to him. I just dial 911. And um, yeah, and it was so massive that, I mean, he was alive at the hospital, had an operation that night. And then two days later, they told me there was nothing they could do. There was another hospital that had a large cardiac department and asked me if we could go there. And I said, yes, they did another operation. And Basically, he was, he was on a machine for a week, and they said they would reevaluate. And when they said there was no more they could do, I said, can I have, my response was, can I have 36 hours to bring in the family to say goodbye? Because my sister lived in, or lives in a suburb of Reno. The, I knew the last flight out had already taken place that day, and I wanted to give everybody that opportunity. So well, that, that, that's nice. Yeah, unfortunately, we've had stories where spouses died in their sleep. That's anytime someone passes away, it's, it's tough, but you know, like your story, when it happens so suddenly it's even, it's even tougher, I think. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't on, and, and I want to say this for your audience too, we were still in our early sixties. So we weren't on, we weren't on social security. So for mm -hmm. many years, I lived on my income from my business because mm -hmm. I wanted to social security to grow for as long as possible. So I waited until he would have been 72 to max out because he, he made more money than I did. 70, but go ahead. Yeah. Okay. And, and so then took social security. So you also have to think about, I mean, I'm sure you do this with your clients, you know, preparing for, should somebody pass yep. before, before uh, they're older? Yeah. So how do you get most of your clients how, how do people um, find you, Ronnie? Um, a variety of things. I belong to a bunch of organizations where I network, you know, and meet people and people know what I do. And I do that regularly. That's the real important part is to do it regularly to really build those relationships. 
I belong to both local organizations as well as to maybe the, the national a national might have an, uh, meetings and stuff like that now by Zoom, which in the last couple of years has made life really nice and able to meet people outside my basic geography geography here in Metro Atlanta. I also do a lot of speaking engagements. Again, Zoom has been a real boom and a real with real content, not just what I call puff stuff, but real content. And what else do I want to say? Networking, speaking engagements, anything that where I can do one to many is what I'm really looking for, you know, looking for opportunities. In. And for someone out there who wants to contact you and work with you, how, how would they con? What's the best way of contacting you, Ronnie? I really love phone calls. I find emails are probably pretty cryptic or whatever. And I really don't want to spend hours responding to a, to an email. Okay. So what's the best phone number for them to reach you at? 404-843-9460. I'll say it again. 404-843-9460. I welcome their calls. Is there a website if someone wants to go and kind of check yeah. you out and see that? What's that? Right. Um, and it has all the contact information there too. It's bereavement navigators, plural. That's one word, bereavementnavigators.com. Hmm. Any final words you want to let the audience know, Ronnie? I thank basically thank you for having thank you for having me. Oh no, thank you, Ronnie. I think this is a an important topic and um, something that you've gone through, so you can relate to it. So uh, so people that are planning for something can can do that hopefully before someone passes away, but even afterwards that there's somebody out there that can help them with all these tasks. So thank you so much, Ronnie, for sharing your story and uh, telling us a little bit about what you do. Ronnie, thank you so much for being here and being so open and, and sharing your story. I mean, it's a tough story and it's, it's one that you've shared because it's your passion and you don't want anybody else to have to go through what you went through. So thank you so much for doing that for the audience. Of course, Larry, thank you so much for bringing her on the show and always providing amazing content. I do want to ask you also for contact information. You give it out on this podcast quite often, but there's a lot of planning involved, not just what Ronnie's talking about, but also what you do. So if people are wanting to kind of get the best of both worlds and maybe reach out to both of you, how do they get a hold of you, Larry? Best thing is to go to our website, hellowealthmanagement.com. And you can go right in to contact us. And if somebody wants to speak with me, you can go right into my calendar right there and set up a 20-minute um, a call with me. If someone prefers to call, they can call the office and schedule an appointment, 631-248-3600. Fantastic. And of course, our last thank you is always for you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Life Unlimited podcast with Larry Heller. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Larry comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And if you're watching this on YouTube, we'd appreciate a like and a follow there as well. We humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Heller Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.